You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning knowing, O oh God, that we are at war. We are at war with a real enemy, O oh God, and we need your help. O oh Lord, there are idols that we put up in our hearts. There are idols that we have put before us, and we have bowed down and worshiped them, O oh God. And Lord, the enemy loves it. The enemy hates what we're doing this morning, though, O oh God. The enemy hates that the children of God are coming together to pray, to sing songs to Jesus Christ, and to worship you and you alone. And so, God, we pray against his work in our life. And Lord, would you do a mighty work this morning? Holy Spirit, would you meet with us Today, oh God, when we go through your word, just in a minute, oh Lord, would you show us from your word who you are? Oh God, would you change our hearts that we might become more like Jesus Christ? Oh God, and would we wage war against the flesh? Would we wage war against the one who wants to destroy us? And would we rely on God fully? Oh God, we need you this morning so desperately, oh God. We have nothing apart from you. Lord, if you do not show up here this morning, we might as well go home because we have nothing apart from you, O oh God. So please, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Those who come in here apathetic this morning, O oh Lord, rock them to their soul. Rock them, O oh God, that they would turn from this world and turn towards Jesus Christ because he is the only one worth living for. And so, Lord, we love you. Give us strength. Give us passion for your name. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you again. Turn in your Bibles. If you have one, turn in your Bibles to Joshua 24. Joshua 24, fifth book in the Bible, all right? Joshua 24. We're dealing with verses 14 to 28. While you're turning in your Bibles there, I want to give you a little bit of an update on answered prayer. I know that a few weeks ago, Pastor Paul was preaching and he had mentioned to you that my father-in-law, Mandy's dad, had a stroke. And it was a Saturday afternoon, he had a stroke, and so we rushed down to London, and we were there with him for a few days. And I know that you, as a church, were praying for us, and so I want to say thank you and praise God, um, because we believe firmly in the power of prayer. Um, we went th- down there on the Saturday, and he had a major stroke, and it took quite a while, actually, to get to the hospital. And as you may know, the longer you wait with strokes, the worse it gets. And so he was in the hospital, and they removed a large blood clot, um, And uh, we saw him that evening, and he had lost most feeling in his left side, and he was unable to swallow. So things weren't looking good. Um, We thought that maybe he'd be in a wheelchair and uh, a feeding tube for the rest of his life. Um, Sunday morning, though, things, as we were still sort of processing this, things already started to look a little bit better. By Monday, looking a lot better, and we're kind of, what's happening here? Uh, Power of prayer power prayer. Tuesday, my mother-in-law bought a three-month parking pass for the hospital. We thought he'd be there um, for quite a while. By Wednesday, the doctors said, you know what, he's actually doing so well, we're kind of amazed at what's happening. On Friday, we're going to send him to the rehab center. Um, It's going to be six months of rehab. Um, Friday comes, they say, actually, it's going to be six weeks of rehab. He's doing so well. Uh, He gets to the rehab center, and they're like, actually, it's going to be three weeks you're doing so well. He was actually home in a week and a half. The power of prayer, the power of prayer. Yeah, praise God, praise God. So he's at home right now doing physio a couple times a week, and he said to me, Daniel, we're gonna be golfing this summer, so count on that. So we all have a lot to look forward to, and we believe firmly in the power of prayer. So I hope that's an encouragement to you in your prayer life. Keep praying, God hears you, God answers prayer. It works, it works. Well, I hope you're there in your Bibles, Joshua 24. And uh, in Joshua 24, he's at the end of his life. 
So at the beginning of Joshua, we saw that he took over from Moses, uh, leading the people of Israel, and he was to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And now at Joshua 24, we see that he's at the end of his life. He's on his deathbed, really, and he calls all of Israel, and in verses 1 to 13, he reminds all of Israel what God has done for them, that God had called Abraham that God had called and and rescued um, the people of Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of slavery, and now that God has brought them into the promised land and given them this land and defeated all of their enemies. He reminds them. He reminds them. And Joshua, he's a passionate preacher. He's a good preacher because after he reminds them of what the Lord has done, he hits them hard. He says, who will you serve? Choose this day who you will serve. And the people have to make a decision. And so for us today, too, we need to make a decision. Today is decision day. It's time to make up your mind. Who will you serve? Will you serve the Lord or will you shy away? Will you boldly stand up for God? And will your life be a continual pursuit of serving God? Or will you bend and break to the pleasures of this world and the passions of an evil heart? Today is the day. It's decision day. Today is the day that you need to make up your mind. Are you truly in or are you out? Will you listen to the voice of the Lord and obey or will you continue to ignore? Will you believe what the Lord, of, uh, the Lord and his word says or will you ignore it? Will you trust in the wisdom of the Lord or will you trust in the wisdom of man? Today is the day. Today is the day to make a decision who you will serve Will you serve yourself, pleasure, passion, money, or will you serve the Lord, the God of Israel? Will you dedicate yourself to the service of the Lord, or will, and will you stop making excuses as to why you can't serve and start pursuing holiness in the things that God says he will bless? Are you ready to make this commitment? Do you sincerely love the Lord, or is showing up here week after week just another check mark on the list of things to do? Are you looking to walk out of this service five minutes early so you don't have to confront your sin? Will you serve the Lord? Will you boldly serve the Lord? Where do you stand? Truly, where do you stand? Who will you serve? What does your life look like? Who are you seeking to please? What's your heart's desire? Listen, it's decision day, and we all need to make a decision You are here right now for a reason. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly, that there's no mistake that you're here this morning. It is time to put away the idols and the gods that we've set up in our heart for good. It's time to put them to death. It's time to commit. It's time to follow the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness for the rest of our lives. Are you in? Will you decide? Have you committed? Because it's decision day. Choose this day who you will serve. I hope you have made that decision. I hope you have decided that with every ounce of your being, you will serve the Lord. And Joshua here reminds us of a few things that serving the Lord requires. The first thing is this, serving the Lord requires a bold choice. Serving the Lord requires a bold, bold choice. Why? Why is it a bold choice to serve the Lord? because it means you are giving up everything else. It's bold because it is a confident, courageous decision that says you've weighed up all the options, you weighed up everything this world has to offer, and you've decided that the only thing worth it is to serve the Lord. 
It's bolder than anything else you can say or decide. Why? Because it encompasses everything that you are, everything that you have, and everything that you believe. Joshua says in verse 14, you see that in your Bibles, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Sincerity means you truly mean it, right? Sincerity means you truly, truly mean it. And if you truly mean it, your life will look different. There's no way around it. Nothing is left untouched when you boldly choose to serve the Lord. Your goals change. Your purpose in life changes. Your marriage changes. Your relationships, they change. Your very outlook on this world changes when you boldly decide to serve the Lord. You see, your service cannot be insincere and at the same time real. You need to know this. Because you might say, I will serve the Lord, but does your life reflect it? You might be able to fool some people here. You might be able to fool your family. You might be able to fool your small group. But the Lord sees it all. And he knows. And he knows. Are your insincere words believed by some? But listen, they are not believed by God. Examine your life. What needs to change today? What needs to change today? Allow the Holy Spirit, even right now in your seat, ask the Holy Spirit, oh Lord, show me, oh God, what needs to change in my life. Show me, oh God, what needs to change. Look at the text, verse 15. It says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua says this to the people of Israel, and it's the same issue that we deal with today. He's talking about the same problem that we have today in our church. It's the exact same problem. He, he brings up these two kinds of gods that people worship, that the people of Israel were worshiping. And both of them, I think, have to do with the God of comfort, the God of comfort and ease in our lives Either you worship the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites, he says. The first one is gods of your fathers. Are you a person who worships comfort in tradition? Are you a person who worships comfort in tradition? Do you just do what your parents did? Do you call yourself a Christian because that's what you were born into? That's just what you've always done. You see, there's nothing actually bold about that. There's no bold decision that really has been made. And if someone asks you about your faith and why you believe what you say you believe, you just say, well, I grew up in it. That's what my parents did. That's what we've always done. This is my family. But you haven't made it your own. You haven't made it your own. Who am I talking to right now in the room that is sitting here right now and is coming to church week after week and ignoring what, the God, what God is saying to them, and just coming because it's expected of them? Do you love your family more than you love the Lord? If you were to tell your parents you were Christian, would it break their hearts? I know there's a lot of people in this room right now that come from families that are hostile to Christianity. And if you were to go home and tell them, I believe in Jesus, they would be heartbroken. Do you shy away? Do you shy away from the truth that is within you? Do you not want to tell them because you'd rather have family comfort? 
Luke 12, 53, Jesus says that this truth will divide father and sons and mothers and daughters, but are you worshiping the God of family comfort? Some of us love antiquity. Some of us just love tradition. The problem with doing things because tradition tells us to do it is that that often just leads to legalism. We know no longer why we do what we do, and we just do it because it's always been done. We just do it because our fathers and our mothers have always done it that way. We just do it because we've done it since we were kids, and we don't do what God is actually telling us to do. And we find comfort in in the tradition and the ritual of religion, but we don't seek Jesus. We often find security in tradition, and at the same time, we worship the God of comfort. He also says, Maybe you want to choose to worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Are you a person person who loves to worship and be comfortable in your society? Whose land do we dwell in right now? Is this a God-fearing Christian nation? I think not. I think not. What does our society worship? What gods have been set up in place of the true God? Pleasure, entertainment, self-confidence, fulfillment in work, calling what is evil good, that's what our society does. I hear it all the time. Calling what grieves the heart of God a good thing. Do you worship those gods? Do you, do you shy away from the truth that is in Scripture? And do you bend and break to the pressures of society because you don't want to ruffle too many feathers? Do you hate being uncomfortable with your neighbors? Do you hate being uncomfortable at your work? Would you rather just go along and fall in line and agree, even though it grieves the heart of God? John 15, 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be liked. And the question is, who do you want to be loved by more? The world or God? It's easy to worship the God of comfort, to be accepted into our families, to be accepted into society, but it leads us to darkness. It leads us to darkness. He starts this verse off by saying, if it is evil in your eyes, choose one of these two gods. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then go ahead, serve tradition, serve comfort, serve society, agree with them. And I'm sure if someone were to ask you today, is it evil in your eyes to serve the Lord? You would say, no, of course not. But does your life reflect it? Does your life reflect it? You see, it it becomes evil in our eyes to serve the Lord when God gets in the way of our little gods, our little gods of comfort, and something comes up. Society tells us to do something. Society tells us to agree something, and our God is an inconvenience because we want to be comfortable. And all of a sudden, in that moment, it has become evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. You'd rather serve comfort the gods of family and neighbors and society than serve the Lord. See, you must boldly declare this for yourself. 
You must boldly choose. You must make a bold choice to serve the Lord and have no wavering. You see, Joshua says, enough, enough already with this mediocre half-in, half-out faith that you've been doing. Enough of saying that you serve the Lord, but sometimes worship other gods. Enough already. Decide. Choose now. Pick a side. Figure this out. Don't wait any longer. If, if, the, if the world is what you want, fine. Go. Serve those gods. Serve those gods. Just stop pretending to be a worshiper of the true living God. Choose this day. It's decision day. Choose now who you will serve. You see, there is nothing more distasteful to the Lord than a lukewarm person. Make a bold choice. Stick to your beliefs. If it's the other gods of this world that you want, if it's the pleasures of this world, then go. Then go. But if it is the Lord, if it is the Lord that you wish to serve, dedicate yourself now. Boldly. Boldly say that I will serve the Lord. Don't mess around with an insincere commitment. The Lord sees your heart. He knows. And he says, choose. You choose. You know what? You decide what's good for you. He's like, are you going to serve the gods of your fathers? Are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? You choose you, but listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He boldly declares that for himself. He boldly says, this is what I am going to do. This is my plan. This is where I am going. Your decision couldn't change my mind. I will boldly serve the Lord. I hope that boldness encourages you to pick up your cross and serve Jesus Christ. I love that Joshua is saying this at the very end of his life. If you go to chapter, uh, chapter 24, verse 29, it literally says uh, he, he's old and he died. He was 110 years old and he died. So he's old, right? He's old. He's on his deathbed. He hasn't got much time left. In fact, he preaches a sermon and then he dies. He's on his deathbed. And I can just imagine that conversation. He's boldly preaching what God has done for his people. He's saying, who will you serve? And the people might have been around him. I can just imagine this, you know. Joshua, like, you're on your deathbed, man. Is this what you want to talk about? Is this what you want to worry about? I could just hear him saying, with my last breath, I will serve the Lord. Because that's all that matters. That's all that matters. This is what we have to decide. That with my dying breath and every breath before that, I will serve the Lord. Is that your attitude today? Can you say that? If you're on your deathbed, are you willing to say, I will serve the Lord to the very end? Nothing will get in my way. Nothing will take me away from that. Is this your greatest concern? Because it should be. This is what matters. This is what matters most. Your decision to serve the Lord. Are you in or are you out? Don't be half in, half out. Don't be insincere. Completely, with sincerity and faithfulness, serve your God. I love that Joshua, he declares this for himself, but he also declares this for his house. You see that? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does your house serve the Lord? Fathers, mothers, does your house serve the Lord? Is that of greatest priority in your house? Do you lead your children to Jesus? Listen, I know that one day your children will have to make up their own minds. You can't decide for them if they're going to serve the Lord for the rest of their lives. You can't decide that for them. But while they're in your house, is it the greatest thing to serve the Lord? 
Is it the highest priority? Are you leading them there? Do you look at the world and you say, teachers, school, politicians, society, you might think you know what's best for my kids. You might think what's best for my household. But let me tell you this, regardless of what you think, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you say that? Are you setting this example? Or does everything else seem to come first? Do you need to bring this before the Lord? Do you need to make some serious changes to your family's schedule so that it reflects the heart of God, so that it reflects a servant of the Lord? When I was six, seven, eight, um, in the summertime, baseball was life, all right? That's all we did. We loved playing baseball. You get your mitt, you work it in, and you hit the diamond. And I just played like house league, right? But it was fun. We loved it. And um, uh, one of the years, I was asked to play rep, to go up a couple leagues. And uh, the problem was that the games always fell on Sundays. And my parents, God bless them, said, no, you're not going to just miss church every single week to play baseball. And in my mind, I, I really wanted to play. I, I, I really wanted to play. And I, and I always wondered after that, you know, like, I wonder how far I could have gone in this, you know, like, yeah, like the, an eight-year-old thinks, right? How far could have I gone in baseball? And even maybe after that, there was a little bit of resentment in my heart as I saw friends of mine succeed in the sport. I can tell you this, though. I'm so glad that my parents did the hard but right thing. They made sure that serving the Lord was the centerpiece of our house. That while I lived there, I would be shown what it is to serve the Lord. They weren't perfect people. I can tell you that. They were not perfect, but they, they did their best to make sure that it was ingrained in my mind that serving the Lord was the greatest thing that I could do. That that is where true success is. That that is where true joy is. That that is where true peace is. And I thank them for that. I thank them for that, to not allow other things in this world to creep in on what was the most important thing. Can you say Will you say, despite what everyone else says I should do, despite what the world is prompting me to do, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Period. Final. No wavering. This is what God blesses, and I believe that. This is where joy is, and I know that. This is where success is. We will find that, and this is where peace is. Don't just say these words and not change. Don't just say these words and not change. And I hope maybe this, maybe this will hit home for you. You just think about right now, those of you maybe who have young kids, um, what if someone, someone were to ask your kids right now, what's most important to mommy and daddy? What would they say? What would they say? What have you made the priority in your home? Maybe a better question is, if someone were to ask your kids, what's most important for you according to mommy and daddy? Would they say school? Would they say better grades? Would they say sports? What would they say? Is Jesus the center of your house? Do your children know this? They might not believe yet, they might never believe. That's up to the Lord. 
But do the children know in your home that serving the Lord is what's most important? I know that there are some new parents here too, and your children are only a few months old. And you're going to have to make some serious decisions for your house. And what a day it is today, on decision day, to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord and dedicate yourself to God in this. Serving the Lord requires a bold choice. It also requires a singular commitment. It also requires a singular commitment. Look at the text, verse 16. It says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove us out, out before us, all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. You're like, good response, people of Israel. Good response. That's great. That's exactly what Joshua wanted to hear. Not so fast. Not so fast. What does it say in verse 19? It says, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. For if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. The people pledge their service to the Lord, but Joshua is not convinced. He's not convinced. He wants to stress the seriousness of the words that they are saying. He wants to double check to see if they're sincere. Joshua's goal here is not to push people away from serving the Lord in saying this. His goal is to separate those who are true worshipers of the living God and those who are not. Are you in or are you out? He wants to look deep inside their hearts and draw a line in the sand and to be sure that they know what side they are on. His goal is that these people would serve the Lord. But did you know this? Some of the greatest encouragement that can ever be given is telling someone they can't do it. Have you ever experienced this? Right? I have. It's great encouragement to those who know they can because when you tell them they can't, they want to prove it to you that they can. Stubborn people like me know this to be true. It also humbles those who say they can do something but actually can't. And so it's a win-win, and this is exactly what Joshua is doing here. He says, you can't serve the Lord. I know you. Your life is full of sin. You worship comfort and relationships and your society. He knows that words are cheap. Words are cheap. Joshua is saying, great, this is what you're saying, but do you really mean it? Let me make sure you understand what you are saying here. How can you serve the Lord? Don't you know that God is holy? Don't you know that God is a jealous God? He says, God is holy. Do you, do you know what this means? He is completely set apart. He is perfect. He cannot be near sin. Do you understand this? Because looking at your life, you think it's okay to mix in sin with your faith. It's impossible. 
God can't be near it. God is holy. And if we truly understood the holiness of God and his perfection, you would tremble at the thought of your sin and then going before a Lord and saying that you could serve him. God is jealous, he says. God is jealous. He cannot be of one of many things that you serve. Jesus says in Matthew 6, you cannot serve two masters and God will not be one of many masters in your life. Do you serve the Lord? Is he your only master? Look at your life. What do you serve? Who do you serve? Is he your singular commitment? Are you sure you, can, you serve the Lord, he says? Do you understand what you are saying? Do you know who he is? Who do you think you are? Do you think that you can stroll into the presence of God and say, hey, sign me up? Just think about who we are. We are sinful. We, we are born into sin. We choose to sin every day. God commands us to do something, we do the opposite. Just think of how disgusting this is. Just think about the depth of our depravity in this. God instructs the stars where to sit in the sky, and they obey him. God commands the mountains to move, and they obey him. God commands the sea to be still, and it obeys him. And God commands us to serve, and we say no. The depths of the sin in our heart is shattering. It should cause us to tremble if we truly knew who God is. You see, serving the Lord is reserved for those who are perfect. Serving the Lord is reserved for those who are without sin, who can come into the presence of God. Who here is not condemned by their sin? Who here does not have the weight of their sin on their shoulders? And this is the point that Joshua is making. We can't do it. We are absolutely unable to even serve at the feet of God. And God knows this. We can't get out of this on our own. None of us have any hope on our own. And this is the story of humanity, a sinful bunch that have no hope within themselves. And then the two sweetest words in Scripture come up. But God. But God. But God loved the world that he sent his son. So whoever, whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but will have everlasting life. See, you were dead in your sins, but God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our sins and canceling the record of debt that stood against us. He set it aside. He nailed it to the cross. You see, we have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. We cannot work off our sin. Our sin is eternal. It is against a perfect and holy God, and there's nothing that we can do to earn the favor of God. But God sent his son. 
And if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ that his death was the penalty for your sin, the death that you deserved, and you put your faith in him and you believe that God raised him on the third day, conquering Satan's sin and death, and now he is sitting at the right hand of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. And then you can say, I will serve the Lord. Because when you believe in Jesus Christ, God doesn't look down at you and see you. He doesn't look down on you and see your sin. He looks down on you and he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ washing over you and saving you from your sin. And your sin is taken off of you and Jesus' righteousness is placed on you. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to them, well, you are a witness against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. You see, the people didn't have Jesus. The, these people didn't have the Holy Spirit. They had to be their own witnesses that they were going to accomplish this impossible task. But we don't have to be our own witnesses. We know that we can't do it. We have the blood of Jesus that washes over us and the witness of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We have the Holy Spirit working within you, doing the work that you could never do. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Because only then can you truly say that you will serve God. You are unable because of your sin without Jesus Christ. Will you believe? Will you serve in sincerity and in faithfulness? Will he be your singular commitment? See, serving the Lord requires a bold choice, of course. It requires a singular commitment, and it also requires an inclined heart. To serve the Lord, you must incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Well, how do you do this? How do you incline your heart to God? Well, Joshua says, he says, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord. Have you put away your gods? Do it now. Do it now. It's decision day. Here's the opportunity to put to death that which is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away. Anger, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. See, these are all idols. These are all little gods that we've set up in our heart, and these all come from a heart that is not inclined towards the Lord. Do you say to yourself now, yes, I will serve the Lord, me and my house? Well, what needs to change? What's in your life right now that needs to be put away, needs to be put to death so that you can truly, with sincerity and faithfulness, say, I will serve the Lord. Does your life bear witness against you? The Lord sees it all. The Lord sees it all. The people Joshua was talking to, see, they didn't have idols of wood and metal and gold. They didn't have these little idols. It was idols of the heart. The worst kind of idol. Idols that are hard to see, or as Calvin would call them, figments of false gods. We've created these figments of false gods and we prop them up in our heart and we bow down to them. What needs to be put to death? What needs to be put away right now in our hearts? 
Look what happens in verse 24. Verse 24, it says, And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. And so Joshua makes a covenant with them. And in verse 25 it says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his, his inheritance. It's decision day, church. It's decision day. Who will you serve? Will it be the false gods of comfort and pleasure and self and self-reliance? Or will you, or will you serve the Lord, the God of Israel? Do you wish to make this commitment today? I pray you do. And if you do, I have two things that I think are very appropriate for us to do today. First, um, I think we should say this out loud. Like the people of Israel did before Joshua, they, they said their commitment verbally out loud and declared boldly that they would serve the Lord. And so in a minute, I'm going to have a call and response on the screen, and I'm going to read one line, and if, and if you believe this in your heart, if you want to commit to Jesus Christ for the first time, or if you need to recommit and put to death idols in your life and make a God your singular commitment, you read them back. You read the words that are for you on the screen. But we know that words are cheap. Words are cheap. And so secondly, we can come before the Lord physically this morning. It's decision day. It's decision day. And will you decide to serve the Lord? And so we're going to open up the altar here at the front of the worship center. And if you say these things and you believe them in your heart and you need to set up a witness just like the people of Israel did, just like Joshua did, setting up a stone that they would remember what the words were spoken that day. And we can come forward and as a reminder for what the thing that God has done in our heart today, we can remember it. And we can come before the Lord on our knees and pray, oh God, help me. Kill what is evil within me. Kill the false gods I've set up. I commit my service to you, and I will boldly serve you with every breath that I have. We can gather at the altar and ask God to forgive us. We can gather here at the altar and ask him to help us that we would serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Do you need this? Do you need this this morning? Do you need to say to your God, Lord, there's so many things I've set up, comfort, peace, pieces of idols in my heart that need to die. And so, Lord, kill them and let me worship you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And again, if you want to make this commitment, follow the words on the screen. But words are cheap. But follow the words on the screen and say it boldly and declare it for you and for your house. Mothers, fathers, how many of you need to declare this for your house? That you will boldly go forward and serve the Lord, to seek him, to incline your heart to him, and worship him. I'll start. Because of what the Lord has done, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away your false gods, but if it is evil for you to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He cannot overlook sin, and we are a sinful people. The Holy Spirit is your witness. Put away your false gods and incline your heart to God. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your heart? Do you need to make a change today? It's decision day. It's decision day. Don't let this opportunity pass to put into action your words. Boldly declare. Boldly declare for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. Listen, listen. If you decide to serve the world, if you decide um, to serve the gods of your fathers or the gods of this land, just choose now who you will serve. But I can tell you this, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.